5,000 to 1 is brought to you by Bet365, the world's favourite online betting company. By downloading the Bet365 app, you can access both pre-match and in-play markets, along with instant match updates for all games. The Bet365 Bet Builder also allows you to make personalised bets via the app, so you can bet on multiple scenarios and create your own bet with unique odds right there in your hands. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Welcome to 5000 to 1, the Athletics Leicester City podcast. I'm Rob Tanner. Joining me as ever today is former Leicester City captain and legend, Matt Elliott. Hi, Matt. How are you doing? Good, Rob. Thank you. Well, thanks for joining us once again. And uh, we'll kick off with a bit of uh, reflection on the last game, the Man City game. It was billed as a second v third and a chance for City to close the gap to one point on Man City. But um, I think the quality showed in the end, didn't it, uh, the Man City? Although it was a very controversial game, a very even game, very entertaining game. What did you make of it? Yeah, it was all those, but I, I'm also in agreement with you in, in terms of, I thought Man City just had that edge, didn't they? You, you felt if there was going to be a winner, it was going to be the visitors. Although Jamie Vardy, amongst others, you know, had decent chances there, particularly the one in the first half when he hit the post for, for all the world that that was in. Um, it just managed to sort of curve and hit the post as the keeper came out. But um, yeah, a good good performance by, by Leicester City in terms of, I think they... They were playing on a on a level field, if that makes sense. You know, it was a genuine contest against a quality outfit. That wasn't the case against Man City at the Etihad, really. That they were a touch outclassed, really, on that day. But uh, a different application, a different approach from the Foxes, and they stuck to their game plan really well. And it almost came off on a few occasions. Just couldn't quite see it out. Um, you know, to hold on to what would have been a precious point, uh, you know, just sort of keep keep the chasing pack at bay a little bit. But uh, that gap's closing ever so slightly. But Man City, yeah, I've, that man Mares, he was. Uh, I thought he was influential throughout, and Leicester were at their full stretch really to to contain him the majority of the game, particularly in the, at times in the first half. But like I say, they got together defensively really well and snuffed out most of Man City's threats. Uh, a couple of decent saves by Schmeichel as well, but um, just a little lapse in concentration collectively cost them dear, didn't it? And a bit of magic by Mares, Lovely run, beautifully weighted and disguised pass and decent finish. So uh, frustrating, frustrating overall. A couple of VAR decisions, two or three VAR decisions that went against Leicester, which um, adds to the frustration, of course, but um, it wasn't to be, was it? It wasn't to be. But I, I think the, the real key element of the season is, is about to begin now. 11 games in, three or four winnable games on the trot. Leicester can really consolidate their position in Champions League position over the next few weeks. Well, you talk about the, the quality of Man City and it is... Um I mean, they are fantastic players, aren't they, De Bruyne? It's, it's great to watch them. De Bruyne, yeah. Well, whenever I, whenever I see Man City, whenever I see Liverpool, whenever I see any of these top sides live, the one thing that always strikes me, above all the quality, is how hard they work. Yeah. And I thought they worked harder than Leicester last week, the way they, they nullified um, 
options for for Leicester on the ball, and yeah. um, it's just there's no it's not rocket science, is it? Football sometimes you just <laughs> got to roll your sleeves up sometimes and work hard. Obviously, in a in a structured system yeah. which they've got, but. I mean that that work ethic that these top sides have is phenomenal. Oh, I, I think it's very rarely rocket science. You know, the, the main words that you hear managers, even in Premier League, you know, is effort, commitment, application, endeavour, work rate. They're the basics, and the, the teams that do them best are the successful ones. And at uh, your relative level, there's going to be you know quality apparent, but uh, it, it's applying that and harnessing the, the the ability that you have. But, um, yeah, no, you're right. You're spot on up there. That Liverpool. Also, physically, how athletic and powerful they are. Um, you know, not necessarily Man City are not a big side, but they're quite robust. They're quick to close you down. And the mentality that they have, you know, get that ball back pretty much as quick as possible, put you under pressure. Um, Liverpool do the same in a different way. And most teams can't handle it. But um, you know, Leicester changed their style of game. I thought they were a bit more direct. They, they like to play in that structured way that you just mentioned. And patterns of play and triangles and move the ball through the, the team from back to front. It was a little bit more uh, direct and primitive, if you like. But almost effective on a few occasions. It's the way to play against Man City, when, especially... When they come away from home, they, they try and force the issue. Um, and that was the case at the King Power. Jamie Vardy's pace, Ian Acho, when he was on, Harvey Barnes. You know, try and expose the, the space in behind. And Leicester got in on a few occasions, good situation, weren't able to execute the final pass. But, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a well-contested game. You know, enjoy, but it wasn't rip-roaringly scintillating. But there was a tactical battle out there. Yeah, I think most people enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. I think a lot of the pundits, a lot of the journalists said it was one of the best games they saw that season, Which, considering there was only one goal in it. But there was no shortage mm. of um, talking points. Oh, a, let's start, sure. before we get to VAR, because everybody talks about VAR, let's talk about Mares uh, a little bit, because obviously he's a, a bit of a Leicester City legend. But he got a few uh, few boos from the, mm. the Leicester fans. And What are your thoughts on, on Riyad? Because he, I thought what he achieved at the yeah. club is quite phenomenal. I know he's, he's not helped himself with some of the things he's been quoted as saying in French media about losing two years of his career at Leicester City. I mean, I, I would never have advised him mm. to have said those sort of comments, but and I, I think that's where the boos have come from. But what do you make of him being booed? And where's, where's his legacy at Leicester? I, I thought it was extremely harsh. I expected a few grumblings on the back of those instances that you just mentioned there. And very often, you'll know better than me, Rob, in, being in, in the journalistic world, but those uh, those comments get lost or tweaked in translation on a number of occasions. I can remember different players that I played with, Pontus, Kmark, Swedish international, um, mentioned you know, various comments that maybe he felt a bit more relaxed when he was back in his home country and thought naively thought that these comments weren't going to transfer themselves you know, across back to England where, where he plied his trade. But so I think there is an element of that, um, you know, just switching off and and having trust in in, in your domestic um, journals. But I, I, you know, and the people are frustrated at that, aren't they? The way he left as well, it wasn't ideal. A number of issues that were far from ideal. But at the end of the day, Leicester City don't win the Premier League without Riyad Mahrez. Other players as well, of course, contributed um, to a very large degree, but. 
if anything, he, he was probably the biggest difference, I would say. I know people say Kante and Vardy and Drinkwater to a lesser extent. All valid cases, but Mares was the man. How many know. times were they in a, a sticky situation and their, their outlet was just to give the ball yeah. to Rian and let him do something magical and invariably yeah. he did produce it, something magical. Most talented player I've ever seen in a Leicester City I, shirt. I think that's a fair comment, yeah. And he showed... Evidence of that again at the weekend, didn't he? As he did at the Etihad, he was probably the main man on that occasion. Um, relished the opportunity to to come back and play against Leicester City. I thought Leicester tried to cater for him a bit better on on this occasion. Um, ben Chilwell, like playing in the well back five as it pretty much was with the wing backs, the three centre halves. Ben was able to get closer, a little bit quicker, but he had more support inside him. So, sorry, Christian Fuchs inside him, James Madison, Dennis Pratt were helping out uh, from midfield areas. So um, you saw it numerous times. Mara's doing one v one, and a sharp intake of breath, and he cut inside. But then assistance came to be cut inside again, and sometimes even again, and ultimately laying the ball off. Although he did have one strike that Michael say, "Well, it was right hand post," but. Yeah, he just oozed quality, didn't he? When I spoke to um, Richie Delat recently, I was talking about Riyad, and he said he's he's similar to uh, Messi in in many respects. You know he's going to go on his left foot. You just don't know when. It's it's very hard to stop. You know what he's going to do, but it's so difficult to stop him doing that. You you can't stop it 1v1, very rarely. Um, That's why you you need the assistance. You you saw the result of the Etihad. People get torn apart. Um, When you've got players collectively uh, can you know, can repel that threat, then it's workable. It's workable like that. But it's changed of direction. He did it a couple of times in in the second half, didn't he? Twisted and turned and and, and occasionally, very occasionally, does a little step over, goes on his right when you're not expecting it. But um, he was the difference on the day with with that run, the the quality of the pass, the weight of, of it and the timing. You know that that was that was the uh, the killer blow for Leicester City. Unfortunately, although there were many ups and downs and narrow scrapes along the way, weren't there? Yeah, you know, we're definitely going to talk about VAR. I mean, before we get into the specifics of these incidents, how do you think VAR has worked this season? Uh, I think everyone's seen it. It was clear, but I haven't tried to dwell on it too much. I think we we know that it was disappointing in terms of the. The judgment in the game, and it's it's you know, it's happened to us a few times. Um, and I tend to want to focus on the football element, you know, because there was a lot of great football played in that game, but uh, it was marred really by the decision making. So um, I've always said I think it goes for and against you, you know. I think the sometimes it, we've had goals disallowed, you know, for and against us. Um, I'm sure it's something that the authorities will be looking at, you know, and, and uh, to see how we can make the game that little bit better you know the incident at Bournemouth was also one obviously they scored and and then they came back for a penalty yeah, I feel for the supporters at that at that point because for me we'd slightly moving away from football what we know as football and it became very much a game of technology then and uh, and that's something that we, we don't want so th- there's issues with it around it I think it still I'm very much a, you know someone who supports it I think it can be it be really really good for our game. You know, you see a game last night, Chelsea Bayern Munich game, where there's a decision to be made, and very quickly it's made and it's clean and it's decided. There seems to be a, you know a long time delay in, in our decision. So, uh, but listen, I'm sure it'll get better over time. 
for me, there seems to be, you know, an element of people are surprised that there's still controversy about it. But I, when it come in, I, I said to myself, if it's matters of fact, like whether it's on over the line or yeah. not, whether it's offside or not, there's no real debate there. That will that's the area that it'll improve. But when it's still subjective decisions, you and I could watch the same incident over again. Yeah. I think we're going to talk about one in a minute where we might yeah, not exactly. totally uh, agree about it. It's subjective. It still comes down to one person's opinion of what they're seeing on the screen. It doesn't matter how many times they see it. They're still going to have that opinion. It might be totally different to other people's opinions. No, that's right. I mean, the debate goes on, the discussions go on, and we'll continue to do so for a long time. Yeah, I mean, to think that people were worried that it was going to take... Uh, you know the discussion element out of football in terms of you know in the media or what we're going to talk about Uh, because (laughs) but it certainly hasn't done that we've talked about nothing else no exactly it's increased isn't it it's it's funny how how things develop isn't it you know people's people don't necessarily have the foresight and people don't like change they're wary of change anyway and you you can't see how things are going to develop you think it's going to go one way and it goes off at a totally different tangent and you end up with a you know, real problem on your hands. So th- there is the possibility that that's going to happen. Some people would say it already has. But I, I think oh, there's so many aspects of it. For me, it, initially it was brought in, the whole concept really was about that clear and obvious mistakes. You know, the, the Thierry Henry handball, the, the Frank Lampard shot, you know, over the two yards over the line, etc. Those those real incidents where th- th- there's a travesty of justice, and it's just been so diluted now. Is every decision near enough? And some sometimes you, know, you go for checks that, and you don't even know what they're checking. Like, why? So it's obviously not clear and obvious. I mean, I, okay, one person missed it, but you know, collectively, uh, a stadium full of supporters have not got a clue. Um, an audience full of of TV viewers have not got a clue why something's being checked. That's bizarre in itself. It's funny when people call it VAR. Like VAR is this, you know, anti, anti-football anti body, but it's not a VAR, it's the application of the rules, isn't it? Like it's still the, the human that yeah. is operating well, the machine. Give people to sort the rules out and then, yeah, the humans, when, when there's still subjection there, it... it you know, it's always going to cause controversy. There's always going to be differing views. So why have we got it, really? Well, I, it should be for those those yeah. blatant, the obvious thing. Or you know, it can easily be done. You know, there could be, you know, an intentional, aggressive, violent elbow to the jaw that the referee can be blindsided and the assistant referee might be just looking elsewhere for the offside line. You miss it. So things like that, you know, clear and obvious but they're clear and obvious at the weekend with Lo Celso and Yeah. Well, does it undermine the man in the middle? Because he was, traditionally, he's always the guy that makes the final decision. But it seems to be away from that now. It's, it's a guy in a studio that's uh, watching it on a big screen that makes a decision. And we yeah. even had the ridiculous situation where Michael Oliver was, during the game at Chelsea, there was a, um, a statement issued by the uh, PGMO yeah. about... About so the got, yeah, foul. And the game was still going on. Trying to Saying, justify yeah, we've it. Yeah, got it, we've got it wrong on this. Okay, well, that's bizarre. Yeah, imagine if they asked Oliver directly after the game, oh, why, why was that not given? He, he wouldn't give that same answer. Well, sure. we tried to ask Mike Dean at Wolves about the decision there because that was another controversial one, their, their goal being course, disallowed yeah. there. I mean, he wasn't it, 100% sure. He was, he was quite rude, as you would expect with Mike Dean, but he basically really? said, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Uh, but he basically told us where to go. Um, so, we, we, you know, you can't even ask mm. the referees. But I think instead of helping referees, which is what it's supposed to be, it's undermining them now. Yes. Uh, something that's come to light of late is, is that the referee 
his name escapes me now, who was the VAR. At the weekend. Yeah, assessor. Did the Chelsea game yeah. and the Leicester game. Yes, he was the same guy. Now, levels of concentration. Some people say, oh, well, it was only a couple of hours, hour and 50 minutes or whatever. No, it's, it's very intense. You know, you're looking and scanning everything in terms of done sort of co-commentary myself. You're doing two on the trot. It's mm. not that easy. Mm. Um, so I, I think that's a mistake. And also someone else that ex-Premier League referees have, have picked up on lately is you've got top-class referees, or in brackets, top-class referees, refereeing the games, but championship-level maybe referees doing the VAR. So the standard of referees is, is not yeah. even on, on a similar par, which causes a problem, really, because then it, it is being undermined, uh, the, the official referee, isn't it? If it's a referee who's not considered good enough to actually referee a game, but he's given a decision on VAR that's overruling what you've put as an elite referee. But um, so that that's a strange sequence of events. But uh, right, should we uh, should we move on yeah, to the, the incidents? Well, yeah, let's Leicester. talk about those incidents yeah. then, because uh, there were three for me. Thanks to our good pals at Beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight delicious painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash 5000 and pay the postage of just £4.95. And as if that wasn't enough, as a listener to 5000 to 1, you'll get two extra free beers. Beer 52 are beer pioneers. They travel the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the very best craft breweries. They're the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. The beauty of Beer 52 is that you can leave any time, so the power is in your hands. Your case will also include the award-winning craft beer magazine Ferment and a beery snack is thrown in too. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash 5000 to get your free beer. And don't forget right now, listeners, to 5000 to 1, get two extra free beers. Two penalties, one given, one not given. The handball by De Bruyne, not given. Dennis Pratt, given. What were your view on, on those? Well, do you know what? I have to be honest. On the, at the time, the first one with De Bruyne, I thought, is there enough there for, for a penalty? But then I looked at it, saw a replay... And I was, I still thought it was like softish for mm. a penalty to be given. You know, I know his hands were up. It was very weak stroke, cowardly defending. <laughs> yeah. You, <laughs> you take know. that in the face, don't yeah, you? Well, exactly, exactly. But uh, my sort of assessment of the ruling was, well, if the ball's coming towards your face, you're semi-entitled to mm. put, the, put your hands there as self-protection, self-defence to a level, even though I wouldn't recommend it and I wouldn't want it from any... Defenders of mine, if I if I was managing a team, but then I looked at it, and on reflection, there was like, no. What, what am I talking about there, really? Because one, it was unnecessary to put his hands there. You either turn your head or you head it away or whatever. Um, and secondly, it actually didn't go near his face. It was sort of yeah. over his right yeah. hand shoulder, and yeah. it was his hands were in front of his face, but his arm was out, stuck out, and he hit his arm. His arm's what stopped it. So without a doubt, that was a penalty. I think I agree. Brendan Rodgers mentioned it, and I'd have to go along with that. Um, the other thing that put me off the scent a little bit was the lack of appeal from Leicester City Well, I, I mentioned this on social media at the time. The difference between the two appeals. Well, I mean, exactly. Man, Man City were all, all over, around the referee. All over the ref- they obviously go into detail on the, on the rules because apparently the ruling is if your hands are above your shoulder, it can't be classed as a self-defence. It's, it's a foul. So there's that aspect because they were all standing there holding their hands up high. And I thought, what are they doing? What are they doing? And his arms actually weren't high. 
than his prats, were they? He turned his back, didn't he? And his, yeah, his, his arm out was wide, out. Yeah. Not high. But um, so the De Bruyne one fell. The, ref, the, the players didn't complain too much. I think Madison had half an appeal. But the supporters did. They were behind the goal in the family stand. They obviously saw something a lot of us didn't from a different angle. Um, but yeah, I was sort of semi-dismissive of the time, but on reflection, it should have been given. But it wasn't, as far as I'm aware, even reviewed. Well, on the press bench, we have a little screen, and it's, it comes up whether it's being reviewed or not. And we normally see the replays. Well, what's a replay, not all the replays that they see at Stockley yeah. Park. We didn't on the uh, De Bruyne incident, but we did on the Pratt incident. And, and in the, the ground yeah. as well, on the big screen, it came up. Exactly. Decision reviewed. Yeah, so, exactly. They normally notify But there wasn't you. on the De Bruyne, but I would be amazed if they didn't have another well, look exactly at that. Exactly. Again, not that it should need that, but less the players need to put the pressure on the ref. Ref, have a look at that. Similar Come to on. the decision at Villa Park in the Caribou Cup? Different but similar, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. we, we didn't uh, see a, a well, review that was, of that. Well, we saw the second incident, which wasn't the incident that Leicester were actually yeah. appealing yeah. on the screens. Um, never actually did see not within a few minutes or so, the actual incident that was being claimed. Yeah. So that was bizarre. And did VAR blag their way out of that? I think the answer to that is yes. Um, anyway, but going back to Man City, yeah, that should have been a penalty. The second one for me is where we differ a little bit. Yeah, yeah. the Inacho situation. Yeah, I, I've, I've seen it sort of three or four times. I can't quite determine who got the first point of contact. The way I saw at the time... I could, I could see it developing, and I thought, Ian Atchell was like, oh, you're going to get clattered here. Mm. Look after yourself a bit. He didn't even look after himself in terms no, of just totally for there. the ball, wasn't he? Yeah, very brave or oblivious to any prospective challenge coming from Edison, maybe. Because, you know, to put your head in there like that is, uh, you know, brave. very courageous or, or bordering on. But you dark. don't think it was a penalty, do you? I, I just thought, I thought they were both entitled to go for it. If, in actual, uh, maybe if he'd put his arm up and been that little bit more protective of himself, might have kept Edison away from the ball, you know, that extra yeah. instant of a second longer. He might have got a clearer contact and then actually got to the ball first and he might have ended up with a goal even. But as it happened, because he didn't put his guard up, Edison's come clattering in. I thought, it seemed to me like they just... The ball was squirted between Edison's yeah. fist and Ian Acho's head yeah. at the same time. Yeah. The follow-through has gone through. Yes, it's caught him and the ball's ricocheted off, probably for, for a goal kick. I don't know. Yeah. I don't. I might be wrong. People see it different ways. But Ian Acho did at least a corner out of it, didn't he? <laughs> but um, I don't know. That's just the way I saw it. But then I know you're going to have an argument about... Well, I just thought if, if you're going to... The way that it's gone in terms of um, tackles outside the box, outfield players challenging. Now we're seeing players being penalised, even red carded for challenges where they're out of control, excessive force, putting an opponent at risk. I thought that ticked all those boxes because he's come out both fists. He's, as I, uh, I think I tweeted at the time, uh, Tyson Fury didn't land a punch as hard as that uh, against <laughs> Deontay Wilder. Well, he did in the end. Yeah, that was before the fight. Um, but uh, I, I thought, yeah, he come out he's, and he's absolutely smashed him. And I know 
having seen replays in real time I didn't think he got anywhere near the ball but in real in, in replays we did see that yeah. he made some contact on the ball and I think that's why it wasn't given and I, I accept I'm in the minority because most people on social media responded oh, said I don't know. Uh, I but I thought that was a, a penalty I thought for it was excessive force Brendan Rodgers didn't claim he didn't no or make too much noise about that incident um, no that, that, I, it's one of those I think it's going to split people mm. literally mm. And you've given a very good case for the for the offence, if you like. Um, I, I just thought, you know, if a keeper's going, I think they were both entitled to go for it. If a keeper's going for that ball, he can't put his fist out and pull it away, like just a you know, point-scoring yeah. jab. I'd say that there's he, no... He's got to try and get some it. distance. And you ask any goalkeeper, like, right, you get the chance, you go and clean them out as well. You go through the centre-forward, protect yourself and... Aren't they a protected Ruth, breed? Ruthless as it sounds, you know, cause a bit of damage, leave a bit on the centre forward as well, like they're likely to do to you. So um, they can't be touched, but they can well, produce a yeah, challenge. Yeah, like there that. is that. There is that. They, they are very righteous in that aspect. <laughs> but um, I thought it was just about the right decision. You know, I felt sorry for Ian Acho, and he obviously paid the yeah. price for it with coming off because he was doing okay as well. And it's a topic that's quite prevalent in the game at the moment in terms of head injuries and the protocol around it and concussions and how mm, they're dealt yeah. with at the moment. Um, as a, an ex-centre-half, Matt, you've taken a few blows, I should imagine. Uh, yeah, my fair share. Probably given a few as well, <laughs> but um, unwittingly, of course. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, for me, it's part and parcel of the game. Um, and you know the line that you can go up to. Some people have played against. I like to think I've never crossed that line. Uh, sometimes I've reacted to people who have, in my view, crossed the line. But um, And the odd player does go too far. And you know, I remember going up against, I'd say it was a real handful, was um, some people might remember Jason Lee, who was actually yeah. an ex-teammate of mine at Charlton when we were very young boys. But he, he went through the leagues a bit. He was playing up at Lincoln, uh, one or two other clubs. He was playing for Charlton. He ended up in Notts Forest. The old, he was one of the original Pineapple. Yeah, remember the Pineapple Big, song. strong, tall, strapping lad, Jason. He was very lively with his elbows, we should say. Um, even even as a mate. The amount of times I heard whispering <laughs> past my my face, I was uh, managed to avoid it the majority of the time. But um, so I don't know why I'm picking on Jason there. Sorry, son, if you're listening, but you deserve it. He was ruthless every week, centre half, come off, yeah. eyes, nose, gone. Yeah. Um, he was always like a fearsome proposition. His reputation went before him. So, but different times, different days. You, you, you don't see it anymore, and I. It, it's good. It's good. I think that the rules have changed as they have. You know, how many times do you see someone getting properly injured mm. with with a ridiculous two footed challenge now, mm. or you know, broken legs, touch wood? Uh, you know, few and far between. It used to be semi regular occurrences. Mm. You know, career threatening injuries would happen for what for one tackle mm. that you can actually execute in a relatively safe way. You know, I, I was lucky. I never got injured severely by, you know, a reckless challenge, but I, I could, more often than not, I could read it. You know, you read what sort of player you're up against, etc. And I know I'm going off at tangents here a little bit, but I never, I, I, you know, I'm, I could tackle reasonably strongly, but I never hurt anyone. I didn't, you don't need to if you do it right. And that's been eased out of the game because of the rulings and because of the protective 
aspect of the game these days. And you know, that can only be a good feeling. I've heard people say, oh, it's not as manly as it used to be, but it's a lot safer as well. Yeah, well, one lad that has had a lot of injury problems, no, nobody was anywhere near him when he picked up the ACL that's um, led to five years of injury hell. Matty James made his comeback. Uh, in the game at the weekend. Um, it's the first time we've seen him in the league for over two years. And uh, the last time he's, he made a first team appearance was in the FA Cup uh, the year before at Newport County. Uh, but he's yeah. back, he's back, and he came on. And with all the midfield injuries that they've got at the moment, he could play a, a role in the next few games. Certainly could, couldn't he? Yeah, very uh, pleasant, welcome surprise for, for everyone, really. You know, involved with Leicester City to see Matty James. Back in the fray, I think um, somewhat unexpected. But as you say, there's been a flurry of injuries of late, particularly in that sort of defensive holding midfield role, which is a role that Matty James could play, not exclusively. He's got more to his game than, than just the defensive uh, sitting role. But um, yeah, you, you can't help but feel sorry for him, can you? You know, I, I don't know him that well. I've just said... I see him on occasion say hello. He seems a very pleasant young man. I think he's quite popular within the squad. Um, and the frustration must be huge, isn't it? To all that he's seen happening before his eyes and to have that minimal involvement. But he's there day to day and he sees the... The mental strength he must have shown. Because at yeah. amount of times he's come back and then he's had another setback. And they always seem to be silly little niggly things that go wrong. I mean, there's mm. a problem with an infection after an operation on his Achilles. And it mounts up. It must be very hard to keep going. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. I mean, there are fringe benefits. You know, he's, despite not playing many games, he, you know, financially he's still being handsomely rewarded. Certainly in everyday relative levels. Um, and you know, being in and around that environment, as much as it's frustrating, it's still enjoyable. Uh, you know, you're amongst a group of friends there, and he was he was well thought of in different aspects. When he must have been there to receive the ex- extension or the improved contract that he was offered, only after coming back for a relatively short amount of time, and he'll be forever grateful for that, really, because that's given him time to sort of reconsolidate and hopefully have another stab at becoming a regular Premier League player. Brendan Rodgers has obviously got faith in him to bring him on because he didn't have to bring him on at the weekend. No, yeah. You know, I thought Dennis Pratt was one of the better players. Perhaps a little bit of fatigue kicking in, I don't know. But um, Brendan explained it as he thought Matty had the ability to thread a pass to get them back in the well, game. He does. He so does. that's how highly rated him to go yeah. on and, and thinking he's going to influence a game in, in such a positive way for the for his team to get them back in the game. Yeah, and what a message that is for Matty yeah. James there from from the gaffer, you know, coming in. Not only is he he's not it's not a gesture, you know, there you go, Matt. That's a reward for your hard work. You know, I, I've, you're gonna influence the game maybe. I'm expecting you to maybe go and win this game or get us back in it. But um, so that'll that'll make him feel particularly good about himself. But um, no, hats off to him for the attitude, application, without a doubt. And uh, hopefully he gets good run at it this time. Uh, finally, let's talk about Brendan Rodgers because it's been a year since he took over the club. Exactly a year. I suppose it's like anything really. It all goes very very quickly. So, um, but no, it's been very enjoyable and uh, yeah, it's been, it's been good. You know, there was a lot of really good work was done before I came in here. So. Uh, when you come in as a manager, it's to continue to develop and, and grow the club, and and that's all we've tried to do since we've come in. Players have been brilliant. Support around the 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 club for me has been fantastic, and uh, and that gives you obviously the the freedom to work. So um, so yeah, our our job was to come in and 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 
look at the identity of the team and, and, and try and bring a game that the supporters can enjoy watching and, and ultimately uh, allow the, the team to succeed. So uh, so we have still a lot of work to do, but, uh, but the first year uh, the players have been absolutely first class. He's had 38 games, league games now, a whole Premier League season. His win ratio is the highest it's ever been in England, not Celtic, obviously, because they won everything <laughs> there. But in England, it's, his win ratio at Leicester now is higher than it was at Liverpool. He's had quite an impact, hasn't he? His man management skills, as we just mentioned with um, Matty James, um, is, is phenomenal. And he seems to be getting the best out of the young players and the old players. He's had quite an impact, hasn't he, in a year? Yeah, um, unbelievable, really, isn't it? Without getting too carried away, Brendan will be used to plaudits by now, wouldn't he? And I, I'm not saying he doesn't like them. I, I get the feeling like, like most other people, he's quite happy to receive them, but what a job. What a job he's done. Yeah, what an impact. Uh, in a, well, it's a year now, but the impact was made way before that year had elapsed, wasn't it? And he's transformed the approach, the style of play, individual careers, um, just the whole feel around the club and the whole direction of the club, really. Obviously, with assistance from different quarters, from the, you know, the chairman down. But um, yeah, his influence cannot be underestimated. I don't think you know his whole persona, the, the experience that he brings with him, the the attitude that he's got. He's got a, a confidence about himself that transmits itself to the players. Uh, the proof is in the pudding, the evidence there on the performances. Listen, boys, if you do what I tell you to do, this will happen. And it's happened. And it's just whether they can sustain that. But again, he knows how to see things through on a run-in. OK, people can look at the Liverpool situation. That surprised me with the points ratio, by the way. Yeah, Leicester they've got 70 of... points in the 38 games. Yeah, but... some doing. Some no, doing. Jamie Vardy, the highest goal scorer in that period 27 well. goals in that period as well, Jamie's yeah. got. 27 and he goals. hasn't scored for eight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Never scored for so many games. Gets back in form as well. Yeah, incredible. But um, but Brendan's had that experience winning trophies. You know, he's had to see it through. Different scenario, I know, in Scotland. He can handle the pressure, and the the, the players know that. You know, they, they they can look to him if they want to look to him. He's there. He's ready to give them that guidance and that advice. And if they can do it off their own back, then even better. But um, yeah, no, it's been it's been an amazing twelve months, hasn't it? And uh, Long may it continue. Now, he's fantastic at uh, man management and motivation, getting the players ready for a game. Now, uh, are there any alternative methods that have been used on you to try and get you up for a oh, game? Oh, there's a few through the years. Yeah, and too many to go into, uh, all of them. But, I mean, Martin O'Neill was quite clearly, he was the main motivator. Just his personality, his enthusiasm itself was... Uh, would push everyone on, you know, under his charge. But one in particular goes back to my Scunthorpe days. Certainly, alternative. Uh, before I played for Oxford, I was up in Sunny Scunny, and an old manager of mine, Bill Green, who signed me from Torquay United. It wasn't all glitz and glamour, you know, Rob. But um, yeah, and very sadly, he's no longer with us, Bill. And he is a you know, real fine gentleman as well as a manager. Um, North East. Tough centre half, ex West Ham player, found himself managing at Scunthorpe. Anyway, we were playing Leeds in a, what was then a, I don't know what a cup it was then actually, to tell you the truth, but a League Cup uh, early rounds, localish Derby, Scunthorpe, Leeds, big occasions for the Iron. And um, so to prepare for this game, he sent us, well, he gave us the opportunity to go and see a hypnotherapist in a local 
village through town called Beverly near the racecourse. Lovely quaint area. Um, and six or seven of us didn't have much else to do, so we were okay, we're going to have a visit. Yeah, nothing ventured, nothing gained. So we turned up at this sort of antiquated house and uh, the lady lets us in, sees through to the hypnotherapist. Go, oh, good afternoon. He says, right, lay yourself down. And uh, he put on trickling water in the background and he'd lie there on this, this really um, luxurious settee. And there, and he's like, right, right, I want you to shut your eyes now and uh, envisage you in a gladiatorial amphitheatre. And, and you're up against Eric Cantona, who was then playing for Leeds. And uh, I've got my eyes shut, and I sort of open one eye thinking, aye, aye, what's going on here? Aye, aye, sorry. And uh, he, he's, so he says, right, explain to me what weapons you have and how the contest between the, the duel goes between you. And tell me how you're going to be victorious. So I've got this net and a trident, and Eric Cantona's got a shield and a dagger. And uh, <laughs> so I've got to describe and reenact it. So in the end, I've, I've squished Eric Cantona's uh, dagger away with my net, and I've pinned him on the floor, and my trident's just about to take the plunge. I look up at Caesar, and Caesar's thumb goes down, and I take the strike for the kill. And I'm explaining <laughs> all this without laughing. And he's looking at me seriously, or listening to me seriously. I can't tell you because I've got my eyes shut. And then and he says, and you will be victorious, as you will on Tuesday night against at Leeds at Ellen Road. So I was like, okay. And he went, clicked his fingers, wake up now. I was like, oh, right, thanks for that. And he says, take that through tomorrow, and you will be a champion. <laughs> I was like, right, okay, thank you very much. Cheers for that. What do I owe you? And he's going, it's okay, the club will pay it. So we get to the game, really looking forward to it. I'm focusing the gladiator, Cantonar, Trident, Caesar's thumb down. Looked at the team sheet. Cantonar's injured. He's not even fit me playing. <laughs> <laughs> what a load of nonsense. So who got the Trident we, we treatment? We got a smash 4-0. Oh. oh, I ended up playing against Lee Chapman. <laughs> oh, right. But I wasn't mentally prepared for him, and I think he escaped my advances. But it was a... Yeah. Yeah, strange but true, mate. Wonderful. Um, Well, thank you very much, Matt. And we'll be back next week for another podcast, another edition of 5000 to 1. For more great Leicester City content, make sure you subscribe to The Athletic. You'll also enjoy ad-free podcasts as a subscriber by listening through The Athletic app. Get a 40% discount on a subscription right now by using the promo code LEICESTERPOD. (laughs) 